bum bum bottom 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 Now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. This month we're exploring our humanity as we wade into the muck with Abigail Arcane and Dr. Alec Holland, aka The Swamp Thing from DC Comics. And we're applying comments let love have the last word to their relationship woes. Lisa, I gotta say, I'm really impressed that you were able to keep a straight face with that intro, having just come off of the most awesome theme song from the 90s. Two things. Yeah. I am the consummate professional. So yes, of course, I can keep a straight face at all times. And two, when did they write that theme song? Like on the way to the recording session? They're like, swamp thing, swamp thing. What rhymes with thing? I know. Thing. <laughs> no, I think they just came out of a screening of Major League and were inspired. <laughs> Obviously, it's a it's a riff off, off of Chip Taylor's Wild Thing song, but the song was in the zeitgeist at this point because of Major League, and hearing this song inspired me to finally introduce you to the cinematic wonder that is Major League, and you loved it. I, I thought it was okay. I think you're being generous. I was there <laughs> when the credits rolled. You were not a fan. Uh, uh, the comedy is a little dated, I would say. Sure, 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 um, sure. Though I was fascinated at seeing a young Charlie Sheen pre-winning, yeah, pre-Tiger yeah. Blood. How about Willie Mays Hayes, Wesley Snipes? He's so adorable. He is the sweetest, and I would like to pluck him out of major league and drop him somewhere into a league of their own. I don't know exactly where he oh. would fit in. Uh, that would be very interesting story uh, uh, if, if Wesley Snipes suddenly appeared. I just feel if like Willie Mays Will Hayes deserves a better movie. Yes, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And you're absolutely right. Um, but we're not here to talk about major league. We're here to talk about Swamp Thing. Red alert, Brad. Look, I'm doing the red alert hands. Yeah, good the hands. The That's listeners good. can't, but I'm doing them. We have a new listener comment. It's a positive one, so of course, we gotta read it. Yeah! And do a little humble bragging. Yeah! Because we're super great. Yeah! This is from Max Derrick on Instagram. I can't express how much I love comic book couples counseling. I have been binging it since I discovered it last Thursday, and I'm slowly running out of episodes. Ooh, Brad, he put a frowny face. I appreciate emojis. But I love it so much, and I love y'all's personalities, and y'all's rapport, and your guys' energy. It just makes the podcast perfect. I couldn't think of anyone more suited to do this podcast. That's good, because we do not want to recast of this <laughs> podcast. No one can steal it. This is our baby. Thank you so much for the countless hours of entertainment. Well, countable because he's almost out of episodes. We'll make more. It will eventually be countless hours of entertainment over this past week. I'm so excited for the future. Yay. That is so sweet. Thanks, Max. We really appreciate it. And we want to hear from all our listeners, each and every one of you. Get to Instagram. Get to iTunes. Leave us a review. We'll read it on the air. Five stars only, though. It makes us feel so good. And Max and I have actually been chatting back and forth. What? And 
think that we've got we've got a little friendship going on. Hmm. Feels so good. I'm slide into them DMs. That's what he did. This is a private message. I hope he's okay with me reading it. It's well, too late. Too late. <laughs> I already did it. <laughs> but he's adorable. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh yeah, what was that? It was. Oh yes, it was about common. Of course, it was about common. In this episode, we'll talk about how Common advocates for building a bridge of love from thought to action. And that's what you do when you share your words of affirmation to us because you have the thought, I'm loving this podcast. You build the bridge to us, your kind comment, and and um, it makes us feel good. I mean, in all seriousness, when we get a comment from one of you listeners, it brightens our day and and does affirm what we're doing and gives us energy to keep going. It's been a rough couple of, I was going to say weeks, but it's been a rough month getting these Swamp Thing episodes out here. Uh, we've had a lot of distractions, a lot of family things, a lot of work things that have gotten in the way. And, you know, it would be so easy to just go like, okay, I can't do it anymore. Uh, but when we get a message like this from Max, uh, it, it sends fuel it sends warmth and love into what we're doing, and it just goes like, all right, Lisa and Brad, we got something going here. Let's keep doing it. It's really important that we're patient with ourselves and that you guys are patient with us because this really, truly is a labor of love. For sure. So, for Swamp Thing. For Swamp Thing, yes. <laughs> our first two episodes, uh, you know, they were our most popular episodes that we've had so far since we've launched the podcast. You know, the X-Men episode, Scott and Gene, that's like height of our listenership. And then Swamp Thing and Abigail, that's right below them. And I am floored. And I just, I'm so excited that there are so many Swamp Thing fans out there. And I hope a lot of you keep on with us when we move on to our next couple. Yeah, and uh, if you love Swamp Thing, tell us another couple that you love. Yeah, because we want to cover it. We want to cover a lot more in 2020. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, this week, we've left Alan Moore behind, and we're jumping all the way to the end of Nancy A. Collins's underrated but passionately championed run on the book. Uh, I read some of these comics when they came out, but I was not a, a steady Swamp Thing reader at the time. But I have to give a shout out to Sarah Century of Sci-Fi Wire's Fangirls blog. Love she, her. She's amazing. You should all be following her on Twitter, at Sarah Century. She wrote an article uh, some time back called Looking Back on Nancy Collins's Swamp Thing. And it was reading her essay on this run that inspired me to go back to the Nancy Collins books and go, yes, this is crucial to the conversation around Alec Holland and Abigail Arcane. So thank you, Sarah Century. When Alan Moore left the title after issue 64 in September of 1987, regular penciler Rick Veach took over the scripting duties on top of illustrative duties, and his run would last for 24 issues until he was booted from the book for daring to incorporate Jesus Christ into the narrative. You explained this that entire storyline to me in the car. It's nuts. It is 
So beautiful. Yeah, like a quick side note, you know, Rick's wife was days away from giving birth to their child when DC gave him the boot and cut off his health insurance. He ended up keeping the insurance, but of course, you know, he had to pay the premiums and whatnot. And when the child was born, he and his wife named the little boy Kirby after Jack Kirby because of how both Marvel and DC Comics had screwed the artist over the years. I love the spite <laughs> naming of a baby. Love it, love it, love it. I need to meet that kid. Uh, Anyway, Veach gets the boot, and then they hire on Doug Wheeler, who rewrote Veach's last issue to contain No Christ and carried on the book for a little while. I've never read a single one of his books, but its reputation is not strong. I am just obsessed with the idea of Christ being an elemental, because Swamp Swamp Thing is the uh-huh. elemental of the green. Uh-huh. We learn that Animal Man is an elemental of like fauna of yeah. animals. Yeah, and so, not fauna, but of, of animals. Yeah, isn't is, animals fauna? Flora is plants, and fauna is animals. Oh, you're right because of the fawn. I'm the dummy. Sorry. Continue. And that would make Christ the elemental of humanity, which oh, I think Common would be. Super into. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and his color would be purple because Christ is the king. <laughs> well, too bad, Lisa. No Christ in Swamp Thing. In 1991, DC was looking to breathe fresh life into the series. Batman and the Ninja Turtles brought a huge spotlight to comics, you know, those films from 89 and 90. And then Image, those guys were just kicking off. Swamp Thing needed some attention, and DC hired Nancy A. Collins to give a little bit of a facelift. Collins is a horror writer famously known for her Sonia Blue vampire novels, uh, Sunglasses After Dark and Paint It Black, plus like a ton of really rad short stories. You should seek out her work. I was obsessed with it back in the day. Um, she lived in New Orleans for a time in the 80s, and one of the hallmarks to her run on Swamp Thing is how it lavishly depicts Louisiana. Louisiana turns out more than a swamp. More than a swamp, yes indeed. Uh, She worked on the character for a long time, covering issues 110 through 138, never betraying what Alan Moore wrote, but also sort of giving it a more traditional comic book flavor. She resurrected Lisa's favorite villain, Anton Arcade. I am so over this guy. As well as the Diabolical Sunderland Corporation. This episode we're focusing exclusively on the final four issues of the series where Collins was kindly asked by editorial to break up the romance between Swampy and Abby. Boo! Yeah, Lisa's not too happy about that. (laughs) Boo! But Lisa, we gotta talk about our guru of the season, Common and his memoir, Let Love Have the Last Word. We ventured much further into his plight this month. Is he going to help Swamp Thing this episode, or will it be like last time where Swamp Thing will aid Common? Yeah, it's been a little bit of who's guruing who. (laughs) In part two of Let Love Have the Last Word, Common found himself in this trap of circular thinking. He wants to live a life of love so he can be a better father to Amoye and eventually a romantic partner, but he has two tremendous emotional hurdles. He doesn't want to be vulnerable with another person. Yikes. And he doesn't want to compromise his personal and artistic freedom. In other words, he wants there to be times in his life where he's not answerable to another person. He wants to be inaccessible emotionally and like on the phone and stuff. Mm -hmm. There are times he does not want to be interrupted or reached. Mm. 
In Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing, we witness Swampy overcome his personal and literal demons to reach a new level of self-love and acceptance so that he could ultimately confess his love to the woman he's been loving deeply, silently, and for too many years, <laughs> and do this intensely vulnerable act of having her eat his tuber <laughs> so that they can together be one with the universe. Brad, yeah. you and I were literally having revelatory inspirations meditating on Swamp Thing yes. having to do with mindfulness and letting go of judging your past. And you've carried this conversation that we had in episode two for the last two weeks in so many real world scenarios. I am having a real mindfulness kick. Yes. We were practically on our knees, ready to munch that tuber and get swept away into the green. This week, in part three, Common isn't exactly dishing out the solutions, but he is actively seeking answers from outside himself, which I think is huge for him. And I think goes well into what happens between Swampy and Abby in this storyline. Ooh, interesting. We need to talk about that, but I think I agree with you. All right. In 2012, Common starts speaking with a therapist named Susan, who starts to put names to some of his issues so that he can acknowledge them, navigate them, and maybe even overcome them. Who knows? Who knows? Meanwhile, in Nancy Collins' run of The Swamp Thing, our beloved monster is neck deep in an emotional quagmire. Right. He's now a single dad who's got the hots for nanny, while his soon-to-be ex-wife wades back into the murky waters of the dating pool. Oh, God. Swampy, what happened? <laughs> I've, I have answers, but we'll, we'll, hold, we'll hold, we'll hold. In therapy, Susan guides Common to codify the behaviors that have him caught in the unfulfilling cycle of disappointing his daughter and falling out of relationships. So the first thing is intimacy avoidance. This originated from his childhood being raised by a single mother who put a lot of love responsibility on him as a child after his father left. He felt overwhelmed by the amount of love she needed from him, like he had a responsibility that he couldn't fulfill. So he associates romantic love relationships with the feeling of being asked too much of. He knows that being an artist, there is a certain amount of independence that's required. This is a quote. Being an artist, my creative schedule is not normal when compared to someone with a steady nine to five job or someone with a professional career. I think actually a lot more people would identify with Common than he thinks. Because even when you have a nine to five job, especially... Nowadays, where it's all consuming. Yeah, because everybody had. You can get texts. You mm -hmm. can get work mm -hmm. emails, mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden, iPhone's the devil. The, your profession can easily become twenty-four hours, especially if you're the kind of person who wants to climb the ladder, like he does in his entertainment career. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people would identify with. Either I can 
give my family all of my time, or I can give myself all of my time, or I can give my career all of my time. This is an issue that you and I have struggled a lot with in the last couple of years since we've gone freelance, right? We'll be in bed getting ready to go to dreamland and an email will come through or a text will come through and suddenly you have to reawaken and attack that problem immediately. Right. Very, very challenging. Yeah. And, and depressing, depressing. And it's nerve inducing. Mm -hmm. He admits that it's a matter of striking a balance, but it's hard for him and it's hard for everyone. Here's another quote. For me, it's learning how to distribute that love and passion and communicate effectively. It's an ebb and flow, Mm. but sometimes it's just easier to just flow, you know, to just go with the career or go with what's on the schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it control you. Exactly. Instead of pulling back and going like, what do I, what does my responsibility, responsibilities require yeah. of me? My love responsibilities. Love requires accessibility, which Common feels required to opt out of when he's, say, on a movie set. He has a hard time discerning when he is taking his creative space and when he's avoiding intimacy and responsibility for someone else's emotions. What is the difference between taking someone's emotional baggage, which Common considers a red flag, someone trying to put their stuff on you, and supporting someone so that they can manage their own baggage? And I think what he doesn't quite realize <laughs> is that in a romantic relationship, it's every, give and take. everything is everybody's baggage. Yeah. And Brad and I are admittedly very codependent. What? (laughs) But when one of us has a bad day, everybody has a bad day. It is. And And if you try to fight your bad day with my good day, oh man, recipe for disaster. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not like a resentful thing. No, it's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. His second issue is his fear of abandonment which comes from his father. I think Common would resent me going into his abandonment issues when I carelessly and admittedly left out last week what a wonderful influence his father was on his life. Common takes a lot of inspiration from his father being an activist and a community organizer, and he's reticent to admit that he was abandoned by his father, but he admits that his father leaving him and his mother and living in another city may have given him attachment sure. attachment yeah. issues. And this is something that when we were like reading through our stream of doctors as love gurus, attachment theory comes up a lot. How you relate to your parents, relax direct relates directly to how you interact with romantic relationships. And there's no getting around it, it seems. Right. Your relationship with your parents defines your relationships going forward. If you let it. If you let it. If you let it. I do I do think that there is a way of recognizing your patterns so that you can overcome them, which I think is the process Common is going through. Another one of his issues that Susan points out is what she calls a love addiction. He is chasing the butterflies in his stomach, but he's not chasing the relationship. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sensation, that early infatuation stage, not necessarily 
the hard work of a relationship. Exactly. He has a tent to get crushes on powerful women who on the surface seem powerful, but underneath they have some kind of dysfunction that he can fix, mm. which relates directly back to his mother, a powerful woman, but she had her heart broken by her father. So yeah. he'll meet one of these women, he'll get butterflies in his stomach, and he'll start pursuing her, and they'll start a relationship, but then as soon as she starts demanding things, of him, he goes like, "Well, this isn't this isn't working." Mm. He hadn't mentioned this in this book until this point, but when he went to Susan, he could not think of a six month time period where he was not pursue like dating. Like oh, okay. he was always dating the, yeah. and breaking up every six months. This is a quote. At some point, I think we all ask ourselves. Why do I keep making these same decisions that I know play out exactly the same way? I can't help myself. Why can't I help myself when I'm doing these things? Why do I feel trapped? So he was trapped in this cycle of going like, well, the answer is in these butterflies in my stomach. These butterflies are telling me that I'm in love. But what those butterflies are more likely telling him is that he's addicted to infatuation when he really should be focusing his attention perhaps on his relationship to his daughter or perhaps his relationship to his family or figuring out a way that he can let someone else in. Common is in this position where he has to change the questions that he's asking. He has to stop asking what kind of woman would suit me, what kind of person would suit my life, and start asking what is the purpose of love. What's the purpose of a love relationship? I'd like to read you this quote and then we can discuss it. Um, Common says, I think throughout my life I've had pockets where I've wanted the other person to elevate me or felt as though they were going to provide a kind of boost for me to approach my higher self. So he's looking for someone to encourage or motivate him to 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 be better. Yeah, I or, mean, I or think add that's, to the commodity that is him. Yeah, I, I mean that's certainly the case in us. Like you know, what you do enhances what I do. But I think to hunt for someone who's going to do that for you in a strategic way is doomed for failure. I think one of the things that attracted you and me to each other is that creatively, we tend to resonate on the same frequency. Mm -hmm. And so like when one of us is buzzing with creativity, the other person tends to buzz too. Yeah, but here's the, here's the difference between where we were and where Common is mm -hmm. at this point in the book. It was a natural attraction, right? Yeah. Like we weren't, I, I mean, I certainly wasn't on the hunt for a relationship at that time. And then I bumped into you and suddenly I was like, oh, what's this now? I just invited you on the, let's get in a relationship train. And you're like, oh, okay, but I my think ticket. you would say the same thing. It wasn't like when we got together, you were looking for a new boyfriend. I was always, I hate to break it to you. I was 
always looking for a new boyfriend. And I, I was Were talking, you in a relationship when we started dating? I was not in a relationship. I was dating somebody you were dating else. Somebody I was else. I was dating somebody else. And I was talking to my sister on the phone about this literally today. Uh-huh. But I am very lucky that I met you when I did because I was ready to settle down with Anybody. It didn't matter who oh, I was dating. <laughs> but it's okay. It didn't matter who I was dating. I was always ride or die because I thought. But I, you were going to settle with whoever the next ex- guy was. Exactly. And because I thought that that was the right thing to do. Like you're dating someone, you should be with that person forever. Mm-hmm. No matter who that trash bag <laughs> floating down the street is. Okay. And the fact that I met you. And and I was lucky that the other people I had dated before you were not the settle down with anybody type. Yeah, they were all trash bags. Because they were all trash bags, <laughs> and um, and they all knew, and I knew that like ultimately we didn't work, and that's why when I was in relationships with these people, I always felt insecure and inadequate, and, and that, on the hunt for another guy. Yeah, and open, uh, and open uh. to. To other trash bags. And luckily, <laughs> you, I met you, and you were a super cool person who was fun to be with, who was affirmative, who was positive, who had a lot of the same values, and wanted to settle down. And was not a trash bag. And was not a trash bag, because- I didn't I, want to settle down. I wasn't looking to settle right. down, but when we got together, I settled down. Right. I locked it down. Yeah, and I remember that conversation in the car, like where I floated the like, hey, what do you see yourself doing in five years? That wasn't in the car. That you was at rem- Einstein's Bagel. Uh, uh, yeah, in Reston, across from the town center, uh-huh. near the Barnes & Noble where we worked. And w- and I asked you, what do you see yourself doing in five years? Yeah, that was at Einstein Bagel. Oh, my goodness. I remember this conversation, I swear, in the car. No, That's no. so funny. A thousand I, percent positive it was in Einstein Bagel. Well, we know that memory <laughs> is never a thousand percent positive. Memory is in service <laughs> of the future. True. That's true. Not of, uh, it is not an archive of the past. But I asked you what you saw yourself doing in five years. And you said, I could see myself married to you. And I was like. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Um, but I think that it would be very hard to, like, if I wanted to find someone like you, it would be extremely hard. There's very few Brads walking There's the literally planet. only one. <laughs> and I think that. Humble, humble, humble. Uh, but I think that it would be harder to find someone if you had an ideal in mind. Like, yeah, that's what I was saying, us, yeah. Yeah, neither of us had an ideal in mind. Yeah. I think it's certainly more difficult for a person pursuing a relationship than the dude who is just stumbling his way through comic book stores and lands in one. <laughs> you did not find me in a comic book no, store. No, but I mean, I was stumbling through life, which is yeah. a series of comic book stores. So that's my metaphor. In our, early in our relationship, I was so afraid you would find a pretty girl in a comic book store and leave me. Yeah, it was you like, still what are. I- you still bring that up. I'm <laughs> never going to leave you for uh, another nerd girl because you are the ultimate nerd girl. Aw, thank you. All right. Where were we? I have no idea. We got to get this podcast back on track. Okay. For Common, he ultimately decides that finding his higher self is not something he's going to be able to do through a romantic relationship, but rather it's ultimately going to be God's work. And he talks about 
his spiritual practice, how he reads the New Testament every morning and tries to see how he can apply it to his life. He does say that he reads his favorite parts of the New Testament, which I'm just like... He's skipping the... the yeah, he's yeah. skipping the parts that he doesn't like, which every Christian does. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. For being a two-chapter section of this book, it is, like, super meaty. There is a lot to go into. On top of his spiritual practice, he also talks about a tour he did of prisons in California where he spoke to incarcerated men and women, some of them on death row, and he goes on to talk about how they taught him how to humanize people and be more present. But I wonder, though, if these are the areas of love he finds the least daunting, because your relationship with God is something that you can do alone, on your own terms. Right, right, right. And acts of service and activism is something he can somehow get credit for. Mm. He talks about building bridges to people which I talked about in your introduction, which mm. is you have a thought in your head, like I believe that the people who are incarcerated deserve to be heard. So he builds a bridge to those people through his actions by going to the prison and listening, actively listening to their stories. And he uses the build a bridge concept to talk about interactions with strangers like hey you're out on at the mall and you see your fellow man why don't you build a bridge to your fellow man by getting the door or saying hello but i wonder if he wouldn't be better served to use the building a bridge concept to the people he feels like he needs to be more actively loving. Like, like if he goes like, I'm feeling love for my daughter Amoye in my heart right now. Allow me to build a bridge to her by giving her a call or taking some time out of my schedule to be with her. Obviously, I'm inferring a lot about Common from what I read about his book, but you can't not read right. his story the way he's presenting it and go like, are you just distracting yourself by losing yourself in meditations on Christ or lo losing yourself in activism or being an entertainer? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I, th I think, yes, I agree. And I think that Swamp Thing does the same thing. At, specifically at the very start of this arc. He escapes into the green because I think being a part of the greater universe makes the specific problems you need to address in your life feel smaller. Right, yeah, yeah, So yeah. if you're meditating on the greater concept of love as a whole, then the issue that you have loving your daughter or loving a romantic partner seems less important. You can get lost in your job, your passion, the green. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah. So common in part three and Swamp Thing and Nancy Collins' run, or this specific section of Nancy Collins' run, are very much in the same place mentally. And yeah. I think they would both greatly benefit from the have a feeling, build a bridge 
mentality. And building a bridge can be scary because uh, Swamp Thing and Abby have this distance between them right now. And Swamp Thing is afraid that if he builds that bridge, she's going to beat him on that bridge and say, like, jump off this bridge. Rejection. I, I never want to see you again. Mm-hmm. And Abby is in this place where I don't want to build a bridge to Swamp Thing because he's brought so much pain into my mundane, small-town life that... Well, he's ruined my life. He... Like, if you think about where Abby is at the beginning of this book versus where she was when he we met her on the base of that mountain. Yeah, back in the Len Wein rights and run. Giving a little kid a lollipop and have a nice day. Yeah, Swamp Thing ruined her life. Let's get into it, Lisa. Let's. As we've already said, we're covering the final four issues of Nancy A. Collins' Swamp Thing run. That's numbers 135 through 138, illustrated by Scott Eaton and Russell Brown, with absolutely stunning covers by Charles Vess. Yes, these books are gorgeous. I want Mondo posters of all of them. Uh, here's the basic setup that you need to know to understand where our characters are at the start of this series. First things first, Swampy and Abby have produced a child named Tefe. Who? What? How? Tefe began life as an elemental spirit called the Sprout, who eventually took hold of the fetus growing inside Abby, which was conceived when Swamp Thing possessed John Constantine and had sex with her. Tricky side note, because Constantine's blood was tainted with the blood of the demon Negrol, Tefe is also part demon. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. However, when we meet up with Swamp Thing and Abby in the series, they have already gone their separate ways. Abby is working in a strip club and Swamp Thing is raising Tefe on his own with the aid of an elemental babysitter named Lady Jane. Never trust the babysitter. Never trust the babysitter. Uh, So why did they break up? Well, you see, Swamp Thing made a promise to Abby that he would never leave their side. Of course, he breaks that promise in secret because he creates a Swamp Thing double to be with her while he's off gallivanting around the globe and in the green. Oh my goodness. When he returns, he has to battle the double and kill it. Abby is pretty pissed, so she bolts. He tried to pull a Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Ladies do not like that. No, they do not. Uh, so that's where we are. Uh, Swamp Thing retreats into the green, sulking. Uh, Lady Jane goes in after him, and they start boning. Anton Arcane's final plot is to possess the body of Carlton Sunderland and use his money and science to kidnap Abby. His goal is to lure Swamp Thing and Tefe to his laboratory where young Tefe can grow him a new ultimate body to possess. Same old, same old Arcane. Uh, just give the man a body. He so has he can no F imagination. <laughs> uh, there's a big blowout, which leaves Arcane out of luck again. But when the smoke clears, Abby still has no interest in Swampy. And on top of that, she can't stand the sight of her daughter because she's taken on elemental facial features. I think they're kind of cute. I think she's adorable. She runs off with her new boyfriend, Don Renard. <laughs> Swamp Thing returns with Tefe to the the bog, but Lady Jane's like, sorry, bro, we're taking her to the green. And Tefe and Lady Jane leave Swampy all alone to clutch the remaining bones of Tefe, her human side. Sad, sad, sad. I've got a lot to say about this, and I know Lisa does. It's nuts. 
and I love it and hate it equally. It's just such a bummer to leave the characters here. And to start here, because the first issue in this series, for the majority of it, he is gone into his man cave. He has retreated into the green. He has escaped raising his daughter and worrying about all of the earthly problems. He's he's in a funk. We see him sitting on a log, thoroughly taken root. Yeah. Uh, and Lady Jane's like... Daddy doesn't want to talk to you right now. You can show him the drawing later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and Abby, as we said, is now a stripper. She's not a stripper. It's technically just a costume forward titty bar from what I can tell. Like she she doesn't actually take any clothes off. She's already underdressed. So it's like a go-go dancer situation. Perhaps. I'm not sure. Because she only works there for eight hours. You started reading this series before I did, and you were one page in. On the on the first page of, of this issue, it has kind of a recap of what has gone before leading into the final battle with Anton Arcane. And you read that page, and you were not happy. Well, I mean, in any economy, if we go back, like... She was a doctor or at least a nurse practitioner. She worked at a medical facility in her hometown. So I don't know why she has been reduced to working as a cocktail waitress. Well, there's been many issues since we first introduced ourselves to Abigail Arcane. I know Decades. that you- Decades. Yeah, I know. And you do have to upkeep like your your nurse's license. My mom was a nurse and she had to, she kept paying for her to, to stay as a registered nurse. But at the same time, I just don't, like, it seems like every superhero's girlfriend ends up a model or- a sexy waitress, or I don't know. Like, it just seems well, like a bummer. Is, it is worth noting, we haven't mentioned this yet, but we are now in the Vertigo era of Swamp Thing comics. And this is the mature reader's right. line that DC put out. And, you know, like when you read Preacher, when you read Hellblazer. We want to see some titties! <laughs> I mean, it is. It, it gets a little base. And so, yes, Abby is not a stripper, but she is a sexy dancer in Louisiana now. But lucky for her, John Constantine's buddy, Don Reynard, walks in, and they have sparks immediately. Uh He uh, pays for somebody spilled a beverage on her costume. He he pays her boss for the costume fees. And Abby is in the process of quitting. Because no, of that, she's fired. Well, or yeah, of, of being fired. Yeah, yeah. Because of that dress and how she can't pay for the dress. So later, uh, Dawn shows up at her apartment with an armful of roses and tells her that she is the most beautiful woman he's right. ever seen. And would you like to come work for me? Like at my, you can do data entry at my like occult objects facility. Uh-huh. And um, they... That's very nice of him. Like, I, I love that as a, hey, would you like to apply for a job as, like, he's very sexual harassment forward. <laughs> I will be visually admiring and undressing you. Can you type? Right, right. So you're aggravated from the beginning of this episode. So are you hating on this comic book? Hell no. I love these characters. I can kind of visualize, like, the economy is terrible now. And I, I'm sure that if 
child piano lessons, yeah. dried up. I would put on a skanky costume to but get some tips. You have to take into account the last issue of Swamp Thing that you read was the rites of spring and them finally coming together. And then the next Swamp Thing comic book you pick up, uh, he's in the green having an affair with Lady Jade and she's in a, a, a glorified strip club. It is heartbreaking. But I, as a person who has been doing the CBCC podcast and has been reading comic books for for over the past decade, like these comic book romances, there is an ebb and flow. Right. There is a tide. They come together. They pull apart. Um, and I think that Nancy Collins was able to come up with a really grounded reason why this couple Shattered. would would break up mm-hmm. because now that Swamp Thing is one with the green, he has this universal perspective. And a universal need. The world needs him. So I I would see the benefit of going like, I'm being stretched too thin, let's make two of me. And I would understand why Abby would go like, I don't want your clone. I am the mother of your child. I am the love of your life. I I need you present and I need you here. So I think in terms of superhero breakups, this one makes sense in my heart. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it is hurtful. Yeah, you know, I like <laughs> I I want my couples once we've gone through all of the rigmarole of finally getting these two together, the fact that they are apart Tears me. Yeah. It yeah. tears me. And then, you know, the next issue where Lady Jane follows Swamp Thing into the green because he is not communicating with Tefe. And almost immediately they couple in a romantic sexual way, at least how it's interpreted through the green, right? And Swamp Thing experiencing this physical love in this fashion, it w- it's not like what he had with Abby. And it is tremendously, astonishingly satisfying sexually for him. Yes. And, and that I, hurts if you love this couple. Especially with the tuber scene in Alan Moore's comic mm-hmm. being so epic. Yeah, and the Stephen Bissett, John Tuttleman art is unreal. There's nothing like that sequence really in any comics. It's, and so to s- see Lady Jane's sexual encounter um, depicted in this fashion and Swamp Thing's going, well, this is unlike anything I've ever had. But you're going, well, Rites of Spring is an iconic moment. And like I like what's happening here, but it's no Rites of Spring. Right. Well, in a way with Alan Moore's tuber scene, Sex scene, green, green sex scene, green sex. That sounds weird. Um, Very kirky. The, it's a loss of virginity for both of them because even though Abby had a husband before, had Matt before, she never had this kind of experience. And um, this was a first time for her. And this was like he, on his own, invented. Sex in the green. Yeah. Like, he he didn't know anybody else who communed with the green, and he's like, maybe this is the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you do. I'm not sure. 
And so that was a beautiful bridging moment. But now he's having this opportunity to commune with someone who's probably romped all over the green with all manner of other um, elementals. Yeah. And he's getting to experience sex with someone who is infinitely more versed than he is. What I love about this sex sequence is how it affects our planet and the people on the planet, right? So we hop all over the globe and we see Lady Jane and Swampy popping out through the trees, popping out through the, the grapes that are being squished in Italy. Like, it is... It is a momentous moment in its own right, and it affects the outside world. Yeah. But he never once goes like, this is a betrayal of my love of Abby. Like, he has a complete separation between... He's being very logical. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, maybe it's part of what's left over of his Alec Holland memories of like, well, this isn't technically cheating on my wife because this isn't P and V regular human being sex. <laughs> I don't know. But I do think it's <laughs> it's I think I do think that this is an interesting juxtaposition of what's going on with Abby and her now looking to date and dating Dawn. Yeah. Because here we have Swamp Thing going like, I'm not looking for love but I am going to enjoy this sexual experience and her going like, I'm not going to start sleeping around, but I do want to date. I do want to open up the possibilities of another relationship. Exactly. So I think that, um, this is a, a parallel that we've seen in media before Uh this idea uh of uh men want sex and they can have sex devoid of love and women want love. Yeah. But they don't necessarily need sex, which we know is completely not true. But I I think it's interesting how these two things are being used as more or less emotional equivalents. This is a sign where they're both in one way or another moving on. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tefe just wants to show her dad a drawing, right? And he won't get out of his funk to talk to her, but the moment John Constantine shows up later on in the the series, he like comes right up. What? Abby's been taken? <laughs> Dude, your daughter. But um I like maybe because the the daughter was like five minutes in. She's like, knock, 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 hey dad, nobody's nobody's watching me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um and, 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 and Swampy the, and Lady Jane have climaxed, you're saying? Um they, I'm guessing a few times. Okay. And so maybe he's a little tired. Maybe He's like ready he, to come out. Uh, John Constantine happened to pop in during his refractory period or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh boy. But while Swamp Thing is having this no string detached, emotionless, but highly sexually satisfying frolic in the green, Abby is just bringing all kinds of baggage to her first official date with. Don, which we know Common would not approve of. Do not put your, (laughs) don't put your baggage on top of your romantic partner. Um, So he comes to pick her up. He brings her flowers again. And let me say to any of you who want to bring old school chivalry back to dating, don't bring fresh cut flowers to a date if you guys are going out. 
Okay, so it's okay to do it on it the second time. It's okay to bring flowers if you guys are having a night in. Maybe one oh, of see. you's okay. cooking dinner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You're going to watch Netflix and chill. Then it's nice to bring flowers because you guys are going inside. Um, you can put them in some water. Where if you're going out on a date and you have fresh cut flowers, there is in the back of the flower receiver's mind, there is a ticking time bomb now because (laughs) you want to leave and go on that date, make your reservation. Uh But if she just throws those flowers on the credenza, by the time they come back, they're they're going to be wilted. So you're essentially giving someone either a chore or something they're going to throw out later. How do you think Abby feels about flowers considering her connection to the green? I did not even put that together. (laughs) If I was- Aren't flowers corpses? If I was an elemental, I would totally use those flowers to spy on their date. I would be, <laughs> I'd be behind but, a petal just peeking out. But the flowers are dead. They've been severed, right? They've been severed from yeah, the green. Yeah, but in, in this very series, we see Swamp Thing come out of a wooden wall. So I figure if you can come out of a wooden wall, you can come, you can peek behind a petal during a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, they go to this fancy restaurant, which Abby is completely unclassy about, by the way. She looks at the menu and the first thing she is like, I know you're a fancy objects <laughs> to art dealer, but uh, can you afford this? And he's like... Hell yeah, I can. (laughs) Like, look at this wallet. It is my dick. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) It's a classic dude move. Um, I took you to Cheesecake Factory. You did. It was very, I got a personal pan pizza and I, and it was personal. I didn't share it. I could (laughs) afford it. Yeah, you could. (laughs) And um, yeah, so just moments into their date, um, paparazzi shows up starts asking her questions about uh, her involvement in the disappearance of R- Representative Benjamin Barron. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. Apparently Swamp Thing was running for governor at a time. I'm not sure. I'm and, not sure. And there was some kind of vegetable freakout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, like, Don has no idea who um, her ex-husband is, which I think is kind of uncool of Constantine or Constantine because like that's his buddy like when you bring up like hey that girl you're interested in she's got this like crazy ex-husband and like the likes of which you've never seen yeah but he's also maintaining a relationship with Swamp Thing you know he needs Swamp Thing to do things so he can't like rat the first dude and out. foremost a professional yeah <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a wingman she gets upset they end up just going home but as she's getting dropped off Don is like well, you know, we'll have a better date next time. And uh, she's like, yeah, next time. And he goes in for smoochies. Kind of like, you know, like you've had a 20-minute date. like, But she's she's receptive. But then, knock, 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 cop shows up. You're under arrest for the homicide of, of Representative Barron. But then Polygon murders oh, yeah, that Polygon. cop. Yeah. And now Abby is kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Anton is in the body of General Sunderland. He he is back to his old deeds and he's going to use Abby to get to Swampy to get to Teffy. I think it's really sweet of Don that uh this is not all at all a red flag for him. He's like, I'm still, I'm. we've gone on nearly a date. I've offered her a job and nearly yeah. went on a date. And I'm guy. going to, I, I, and I want to continue this relationship. Yeah. I'm yeah. 100% in, I'm completely following I'm gonna in call love. up Constantine. Uh, all right, Anton Arcane escaped from hell, living inside General Sunderland, uh, using Sunderland's money and 
influence to kidnap Abby and uh, his poor daughter, Constance. Yeah, I mean, Common and she would have a lot to talk about when it comes to daddy issues. Yeah. Because she is... Like, she took over the Centerlane Corporation after the death of her father. It's a tremendous responsibility. She never felt like when he was alive, she lived up to his expectations. So she is seeing the resurrection of her deceased daughter at, daughter, of her her deceased dad as a second chance. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because even the second time around, he is a real D-bag. Yeah, yeah. Not fun, not cooperative, hitting her in the face often. Yes. So yes. she she's got some issues that she's working through. Meanwhile, back at the swamp, uh Constantine, knock, knock, knock. Hey, guess what? Your ex-wife, you still love her, I know, uh, kidnapped. And what's with your baby's face? Yeah, Teffy has changed. Her elementalness is coming through, and she's got a little, like, pink swamp thing head. And uh, Lady Jane looks at that face as, like, maybe she underwent some severe trauma while we were gone. Thanks a lot, Nanny. <laughs> where were you when this, like, the, the trauma was, yeah. was at hand? We, oh, we saw. We saw where she was. <sighs> Rude. In the roots. With the thing. Dirty. Then, of course, Arcane shows up and he's like, hey, guess what? I've got Abby. And if you don't give me your baby, my unmen are going to rape her to death. Yep. Yep. At this point, if I was swampy, I would always assume Arcane. If I am at Starbucks in line and the person in front of me is being rude to the barista, I would be like, is that arcane? Yeah, it probably is. It if, probably is. If I uh, had to go to the DMV and there's a long line, I'm like, one of these people is arcane. Yeah. <laughs> it's always arcane. But once Anton's like, I've got your lady, uh, Swamp Thing has to act. And so they all go to his home base. You know, Don Renard, Constantine, and Tefe, they get into a jet, they fly there, and Swamp Thing and Lady Jane ride the green and come out of the door. It's time for a showdown. That's right. And um, Arcane is like, give me the baby. And Swampy's like, no baby until I see Abby. Oh, yeah. And then uh, there's just a little like light chit chat. And Arcane is like, so Swamp Thing, what's it like being back at the cradle of your rebirth? And I find how Swamp Thing answers very interesting because he says it is just a place. Yeah. yeah. Nothing more. I think that shows a tremendous amount of personal growth. Do you think that's growth and not just lying? I, I think he legitimately, like, because in the Len Wine run, everything came back to, I need to be be looking at the barn. I need to be at the place where my old lab was. He can't remove himself from the bog. He's obsessed. And now that he's, like, this hippie and he's got, like, the the green long locks, like, he's one with the universe now. Place means literally, nothing to him. Literally, yeah. yeah. And so it is just a piece of his planet. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I don't think he's BSing there. I think he really has evolved into something that Anton Arcane cannot understand. And Anton has evolved into something as well through his experiences in hell and as a demon. But he can't quite figure out the point of view that Swamp Thing has now. And I think few people can. That might also be a problem between 
Swampy and Abby. Yeah. And it's something that comes up later. Right. But Arcane, he produces Abby, but she's wearing like a wedding dress and a veil that's covering her face. Yeah, we've all seen this horror movie. It's not going to look pretty under there. But Swamp Thing, not curious. He's like, I don't care what's under that veil. I'm a thousand percent sure it's Abby. (laughs) And Arcane produces this clone fetus and goes like, turn this into a body for me. Tefe uses her, her like, sprout powers, turns hit this little fetus into a full-on Mr. Clean, naked, <laughs> which is how we all prefer Mr. Clean, let's be frank. And um, Arcane drops the shell of Sunderland. Connie's like, Daddy! And he's like, ha, 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 Daddy is being raped in hell. No, he was just not raped in hell. He was being used as a toilet brush. Toilet brush. By Lord Necros. <laughs> oh, the specificity. Lord so Necros delicious. toilet brush. And um, so he goes into the Mr. Clean body, which has super strength, Battle, battle, battle. Um, Swamp Thing and his team win. And so finally he lifts the veil and somehow Arcane has mutated half of Abby's face and she's like, don't look at me. My value as a woman is now nothing because I'm ugly. (laughs) Harsh, Lisa. It's the truth. Um, Swampy punches Arcane in the face and he sicks his unmen on everybody. We get to see some of Tefe's powers, which are pretty sick. She explodes an unman with her brain. Yeah, our buddy Darren loves a good body explosion. I think he'd be pretty happy with that effect. That he does. Um, Don gets a little hero moment when he gets to rescue Abby from one of the unmen and they get to embrace. Yeah, that's Nancy Collins throwing that character a bone. Yeah. Like he has nothing to do in this scene. He shouldn't even be there. He's just there to collect the scraps when it's all said and done. He is there because Swamp Thing has Lady Jane and and and, and what's fair is fair, frankly. And their romance is blossoming. Uh, Connie has Sunderland's head, and she's just talking to her dad's head. It's yeah, she's so ruined. sad. She's ruined forever. Um, but she plans to show them all, so um, we'll see her in the future. My favorite moment, of course, comes at the end. Oh, yes. When Swamp Thing is filled with insects by Arcane. You know, he puts his little demon bugs inside him. And we think that our, our hero has been bested. Yeah, but we know that's not true because we've seen Swamp Thing regrow from many things. Mm-hmm. But what's brilliant about this regrowth is that Tefe allows Swamp Thing to regrow from inside Anton's clone body. So good. And he just goes apart. Yes. I, I, I mean, like, that's a great Swamp Thing uh, victory. And then we get to see Arcane's true form, which is the face that we're used to seeing with the crazy insect eyes. Yeah, and the but then he has body. like a cockroach. Oh, yeah. it's so it's so gross. And but so Ar- cute. So Arcane tries to go into Constantine, but Constantine is too strong. So he fights him on it. And then I don't completely understand what happens next, but like this naked couple wrapped in chicken wire appears and they somehow take Arcane with them. And then Constantine looks at Swampy and is like, crazy in-laws you got. So apparently though that's the patchwork man and those those are, are uh, Abby's parents? No, I don't have all the specifics, but that's actually two demons. It's Agony and Ecstasy, and they kind of work as Hell's bounty hunters, and they have been looking for Arcane. Okay. And so they have found him, and they're going to drag him back to Hell now. The comment about the in-laws, I'm also 
curious about, not 100% sure. Listeners, if you know, please let us know. I, I want the deets. Maybe it's just a it's a bad joke. Constantine, he can't he can't bat a thousand every single time. <laughs> it could be just a bad joke. Connie, meanwhile, while cradling her deceased father's head, <laughs> has set the building to blow. Yeah. And it's time to evacuate. During the evacuation, Abby takes the fall, gets knocked out. Tefe uses her powers not only to bring her back to consciousness, but Cure her face. To cure Abby's face. Abby's face. But when Abby sees Tefe's elemental face, she's like, that is not my baby. That's as much my baby as it is, uh, as you are, Swamp Thing, my husband. I was really hurt by this scene. To see Abby respond to her elemental daughter in in such a way was hurtful. Yeah, because, like, doesn't everybody want their baby to also kind of look like them and look like the baby's dad? Where Abby is left off in this run is she's in flight. She is emotionally separating her life from the life she had with Swamp Thing and Tefe. Uh, she's, she's destroyed, and it's so ugly and painful to look at. And Swamp Thing is obviously hurt by what he says. And then Constantine gives her gives him this advice like, you have put this human woman through so much weirdness that the most compassionate thing to do would be to give, give her, her some space. Yeah. Which I think is what Kamen would say as well. Like, you have been putting all of your baggage supernatural baggage on this woman and there's only so much she can take. And honestly, I needed Constantine to say that because I was really angry at Abby and her reaction to Tefe in this moment. There's part of me that goes like, well, I know Abby and Abby would not say that. But but Lisa, she's gone through so much just in this brief four issue run. God knows all the stuff that went on before that with the duplicate and all these things. Um, I, 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 when I find myself judging her, I, I have to check myself. Right, right. She's been traumatized many times over. Yes, and Nancy A. Collins is not done torturing the reader just yet because then we see Lady Jane. She's having a conversation with the Parliament of Trees, and they are telling her she's got a job to complete, and that job involves Tefe. Yeah, so she goes to Swamp Thing, and she calls him Prime Founder, and he's like, why the formality? Like, we've totally banged. Yeah, just call me Alec. That breaks my heart. So she (laughs) recoils, and she's like, what we did was wrong. We broke the rules. When When she first started putting the moves on him, I thought that she was... Doing it for her own designs, but like maybe not, like yeah. for nefarious reasons. Yeah. But I think maybe she was actually into him, and who wouldn't be? Yeah, talk about magnetism. Uh, but um, like for him to ask her to call him Alec, because we remember when he he blew up at Abby and goes like, Abby, stop calling me Alec. I'm not. I'm not Alec Holland. I'm a completely separate being, and it was. He had to go through a lot of emotional growth and kind of emotional separation from the situation to allow. Uh, he had to commune with the ghost of Alec Holland and get his permission. That's what I was impl- 
flying, total rigmarole, to come to a place where he would allow Abby to call him Alec. But now he's asking this other strange woman to call him Alec. Well, he does have a relationship with her. She's not just a strange woman. Yeah, but it's a complete rebound move. Yeah. Like, it's... As if I like for some reason you made a clone of yourself, and um, and I had to leave you because of that kind of betrayal. And then um, I I asked uh, the my next lover to be like, okay, call me Elsie because that's what you call me. Right, right, that right. That would right. be gross. I, uh, yeah, completely I would, wrong. I'd be upset about that. I'd be upset about that. Sure, 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 sure. But then Swampy being. Totally uh, toxic masculine. It's like, well, I'm not going to let you leave. Who's going to take care of my baby? Me? That's weird. And she's <laughs> like, oh, actually, by the way, I'm taking Tefe with me Yoinks. because she is an elemental and she's a child. Like, we've never had this before. She needs some serious training. So she sloops into the ground. And the final page is Swamp Thing holding the human remains of Tefe. And it's this g- gorgeous grotesque, awful, heartbreaking, sorrowful splash page illustrated by Scott Eaton. And it is a hell of an ending to Nancy Collins' entire run. I can't imagine being the writer and leaving my characters at this point, knowing that some other writer is going to come in and pick up the pieces. I don't know. Would you want to deal with that? I want to deal with that. Or you want to leave your characters in such a terrible spot. Yeah, good luck. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like George W. Bush leaving the uh, White House to Obama, like, fix this economy, friend. <laughs> oh, sad. Super sad. So what do you think that Swamp Thing has learned from all this? Like, if you were to put a moral on this story, what would it be? That's a pretty big question, Lisa. There are many ways this story could go after this issue, right? He could retreat all the way back into the green. He could realize that human relationships or just relationships in general are not worth it. You know, he could completely retreat and become, you know, um, uh, an uncaring God or a logical God, you know, Spock in the Enterprise, looking down on the primitives, right? Yeah, Ponfar was nice. Yeah, Ponfar was nice, but painful. <laughs> <laughs> only seven years, only every seven years. Uh, or he could go, F that noise, I'm going to get Tefe back, I'm going to go into the green, and I'm going to pull her back, and then go reclaim Abby and, and, and show her that my love is real, and what we have is real and, and worth the fight. I take the exact same message. Let's parallel this to Common and his experience. Like, while he was off being an actor, a musician, a superstar, an activist, the the gears of his life were, of his personal life, were churning without him. He became estranged from his daughter. He... Um, didn't have an opportunity to create a love relationship with himself. So he could choose to go like, that's broken. I'm just going to continue being a superstar and just go like, I am too big for the smallness of life 
right? Or he can go like, I need to reprioritize and go like, what is closest to me? What is dearest to me? Like my daughter, like finding a relationship and taking care of a family situation is going to be my first priority. And everything else is going to have to balance with that. It's that idea of finding balance. And for Swamp Thing, I think either choice is valid. Mm -hmm. If he goes, being an elemental is a tremendous responsibility. I need to become like a monk and remove myself from these very human tendencies and needs. I think that that would be valid. And he go, if he went, I want Tefe to have a human life. Like I did as Alec Holland. I want my love of Abby back. That was important to me. I think that that would also be a valid thing to do. Yeah. But balance is hard. It's hard for Common. It's hard for Swamp Thing. (laughs) It's hard for the Gullicksons. And it's hard for DC Comics, right? Because we know that as Nancy Collins was wrapping up her run, that she was asked to separate Abby and Swampy. And my feeling and my memory is that after this issue, Abigail Arcane is absent for a good long time. Shame, because she's such a cool character. Well, she'll be back. Yeah. But before we get to our next storyline, Lisa, you know, just applying what we have talked about today about Common and Swamp Thing and Abby and Don Renard and Tefe and Lady Jade, uh, what what, what are you pulling from this week's storyline to apply to your own relationship with me? From Swamp Thing's story, I think what I take is while I'm taking part in escapist behaviors, like, well, I'm just going to listen to a podcast and scroll through Facebook and play (laughs) Diner Dash on my phone, life is happening without me. Whatever situation that I am escaping is progressing on its own. And when I come back from that escapism, my issues will be compounded. Mm. So it's escapist behavior sometimes is necessary. You just need that mental reset. But it's about balance, isn't it? We've talked about escapism and and, and retreating into the man cave on this podcast in the past because that is a behavior that I do. Mm -hmm. When I get upset, when I'm frustrated, whether it's with you or with family or with work or whatever, I do retreat. I go into the green and I spend time thinking about my frustration and my anger. But, I brood. But when you come out of the brood and you're in a much better mental space, I've been outside of the brood. Suffering. Com- co- well, suffering and coming up with my argument. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. you've found this even tempered place. And I'm like, well, here's while you were off brooding, here's the argument I constructed against your behavior or whatever, <laughs> which is, I, I mean, I think that we would both be better served to try to resolve the problem as best we can if it's pressing. Well, and we do. Yeah. You know, one of our rules is that we never go to bed angry. And yeah. so we tend to, even if we have an argument late at night and I go off and I brood in, in the office for a little while or I go drive the car around, um, we, we do come together and have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, and even when we are 
desperately not wanting to have the conversation, the other one will eventually needle the other person to to have it. And, yeah. and I think that conversation is essential. And that is what kind of happens at the end of this arc between Swamp Thing and Abby, even if they do go their separate ways. I don't know. Like, Constantine is like, Abby needs her space. And Swamp Thing is like, I will give her that. Well, yeah, okay. So they break, and maybe they will then needle each other at some point. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Like, like, there's no way to tell. From this yeah. point in the story, we have no idea what's going yeah, to happen. I'm trying to connect them to us, and I guess we that's function, a fallacy. We, we function way better than Swampy and Abby, and that's not hard because clearly... <laughs> I guess that's a they're, good thing. Guess yeah. Good thing. So ha- is there anything from our common conversation that you think you would like to apply to our relationship or you would give as advice to others? Uh, I, I think what's interesting about the common conversation is how he is on the hunt to find the right person. And we talked about this earlier on in the episode, and that's never been my way, and that wasn't my way when we met. And, I, I, like, I would like to talk to Common, and and maybe this you're going to answer these questions next week when we finish the book, but I, I would I would encourage him to be a little more open and free form in his pursuit of romance. Yeah, just kind of be open to love, yes. not le- necessarily going like I need a partner and I need a partner now. Yeah, and this this is these are the techniques I'm going to use to snatch one. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I think the number one thing I'm taking away from let love have the last word is the building a bridge concept. Like if I feel a loving impulse in my heart, like um, one of my nephews, Max, his birthday is coming up and I'm feeling a lot of love for Max. I want to build, take that feeling I'm having and build a bridge to Max by turning that into action and maybe reaching out to him and asking, hey, what do you want for your birthday? As opposed to mm. going like, okay, I'm just going to take money and stick it in a card. Yeah, check yeah. off that box. Or if I go like, I see we have a lot of um, people who stand at intersections, homeless people or or people who need some quick cash, you know, begging at intersections. I feel compassion in my heart for that person. I should build that bridge. I should turn that compassion into action, roll my window down, give them some cash, give them a kind word, let them know that, hey, we're connected. Yeah, yeah. All right. I like that. I like that. Uh, All right. So that's going to end this week's episode. It was a hell of a shell shock from the Alan Moore uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing era to Nancy Collins's Vertigo era of Swamp Thing. But I enjoyed this ride and I really enjoyed this conversation, Lisa. Thanks for having it with me. And I feel like even though they're going through a lot of turmoil, those at the heart of those characters, especially Swamp Thing, maybe a little bit less Abby because she is the lady character. She is a sidekick character, so she's less evolved perhaps. But I think at the core, Swamp Thing is still true. He's still true to himself in the Nancy Collins run as he was in the Len Wein run and the Alan Moore run. 
what I'm enjoying right now is outside of our conversations on this podcast, I have continued my run on Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing. I'm on the fourth trade paperback right now, almost finished with that. I'm going to read through that. I want to read the Rick Veach stories mm-hmm. leading up to issue 88. Uh, I'm going to skip the Doug Wheeler stuff, and then I want to go back to the beginning of Nancy Collins's run and read it in, in its entirety. Uh, I did manage to find all the issues on eBay, so I have collected those. But if you don't want to go through the process of hunting for every single Nancy Collins issue, be happy because in April of next year, DC Comics is finally collecting Yay. her entire run into one massive omnibus. Uh, that is great because this is a run that needs attention and go read Sarah Century's article for sci-fi fangirls about the Nancy Collins books. Uh, it, it, it adds a lot of context to this conversation that we've been having on this episode as well. Uh, Lisa next week, we're going to finish our conversation on Alec and Abby and we are going to say goodbye to our guru, Common, and his book, Let Love Have the Last Word. We're going to be reading part four of that book. Brad, what issues exactly of Swamp Thing will we be reading? I really struggled with this selection, but I ultimately landed on the idea of covering one of the more recent iterations of the characters as they're seen in the New 52. No, not the Scott Snyder books. I'm talking about the work done by Charles Sewell and a bevy of illustrators. We saw a little glimpse of this run during our Aquaman series of episodes, but now we're going to dive full in. And like we did with Nancy Collins, we're jumping to the end of the series with volume seven entitled Season's End, which covers issues 35 through 40 of the New 52 era. Sweet. So Lisa. Yes. Enough of this jibber jabber and mucking about in the swamp. Let's end this episode. Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. And you can commit to this podcast by subscribing to us on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, we would love it. If you're feeling love in your heart for us, build that bridge and leave us five stars and a super sweet review. It would be greatly appreciated. And then you can also... Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CBCC Podcast. Brad! Yes! Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Oh, it's intense. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Mouthdork on all social medias. You can email us, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. And like Lisa said, please follow us on Twitter right now. We are unleashing the CBCC Holiday Gift Guide. I love this thing. Lisa loves this thing. It's been so much fun recommending our favorite comics, our favorite toys, our favorite action figures, our favorite music, our favorite DVDs. It's just been a total blast. Black Friday is right around the corner. The holidays are here, and we want to give you an idea of some of our favorite things to share with your loved ones. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, yeah. we are sharing what we are thankful for with you. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, listeners. Yay. We are entering our one-year anniversary next week, and we are incredibly thankful to all of you who tune in every week ish <laughs> to listen to our episodes to share these episodes in your social media timelines we seriously appreciate it we are very thankful to you 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Brad. Yeah. I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for you, Lisa. Oh. All right. Until next time, guys, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. I just want to hear how this sounds. I'm recording right now. So we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. We're going to be talking about that. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You could have done all of, while I was saying all of those things, you could have done the audio audio check. check. As we have established, I suck. (laughs)